but if you'll turn with me to Romans chapter 10, please. We're going to get to um, Abraham and Sarah today. Again, we looked at them last week, and uh, but we'll get back there because I want to show you something that I think is important for us. But before we get there, um, as I was reviewing uh, Romans chapter 10, I just want to share with you some things because um, the way the world is now and, and how it's always trying to redefine everything, um, we're going to talk about marriage here in just a second because we need to make sure that we're in agreement with what God's word says about marriage. All right, so Romans chapter 10, verse 17. And by the way, the message title is Keeping on Hearing. I shortened it this week. So Romans ten seventeen. so faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. And again, last week I shared there's two different things here, but both are necessary for us to grow our faith in our relationship with God. So the first part is, is that faith comes from hearing. Then he defines how hearing happens. And hearing comes from or through the word of Christ. And um, I believe that this consists of both the written word of God and the voice of God, the voice of the Holy Spirit, as and when he leads us and guides us, okay? Because we ought to be dependent upon the Holy Spirit speaking to us. So like when he directs you as to who you're going to marry, you're not going to find that in the written word. <laughs> but you can find the principles that go along with that. And so we need to make sure that we're, we understand God's word. We need to make sure that we, we understand the principles there that are found in his word um, so that when the Holy Spirit speaks to us and says, that's who you're going to marry, we have to know that it's biblical, okay? Um, and so when you believe that God has spoken to you about your spouse, then that needs to be in line with God's word. So I, I picked out just a few, not a lot, just a few, and trust me, it's just a few, um, scriptures that will help us out. So the first one is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14. And it says, Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? And so if you come to me and you're going to tell me that you want to get married but you're going to, and you're a believer, but you want to marry an unbeliever, I'm going to tell you that's not of the will of God. Okay, just right from the get-go. Um, and it's not your job to get married to them to get them saved either. Because <laughs> you think that if you marry them and they see how awesome you are, they're going to give their life to the Lord. And that's usually the woman doing that, trying to convince the man. But it doesn't work. Okay? Uh, Genesis 2.24 says... Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. So marriage is between a man and a woman um, that has not been modified according to worldly ideology. Okay? It's a male and a female, man and a woman. And um, it's according to the gender that you got when you were born. Okay? Because... The world is trying to tell us that our gender can be fluid. It can be whatever we want it to be, depending on what day we wake up, you know, how we feel when we wake up. That's not true. Okay? 
God has assigned our gender to us, and our gender is not what we feel like that day. Okay, it's it's not uh, defined by the wokeness of society nowadays. Okay, now what I read out of Genesis chapter two about this is after God brought uh, Eve to Adam, and he realized that this was his mate. This was his soulmate. This was his partner. And so this is one of the first institutions that God established. So when he established it, he established all the parameters around it. Okay? So this is how he defined marriage. There's no reason for us to redefine it. Okay? Then Paul repeats this principle as he's given instruction about marriage and our relationship with Christ being that of like being in a marriage in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 31. And he says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So, again, the world wants to redefine things, wants to redefine marriage. Because if it can redefine marriage, then it redefines the family. And when the family is contrary to the idea that God has for family, then we're in trouble. Society is going to be bankrupt. Okay? Um, And then let me just add this out of Hebrews 13.4. Let marriage be held in honor among all, and let the marriage bed be undefiled. For God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. And so let me just make this clear. And, and this is important. Any sexual activity needs to be restrained according to the word of God for marriage. Nothing outside of marriage. Okay? Period. Everybody say period. Okay? If you engage in any kind of sexual activity outside of marriage, you're wrong. Okay? It's that easy. It's, it's like you don't even have to think about this. You just know that this is what God has said, and we are of the opinion that we want a blessed life, and so we want to live according to His Word. We want to be in agreement and alignment with His Word. Amen? Now, I have seen many believers shipwreck their lives because they will not follow the Word of God and the principles found in it, especially dealing with this aspect. Okay? Now, I'm not going to touch on this morning because Paul deals with, you know, if you were married and you were both unsaved and then one got saved, you know, that's another issue. But I'm just saying that I've seen people who claim to know Christ and want God to be part of their life, and yet they shack up with others, and and they do things that aren't in agreement and in accordance with God's Word. It's, It's going to be very hard to overcome that. It might even be impossible to overcome it. So don't start off like that. So in closing about this section, The definition of marriage and the requirements of marriage found in God's Word are not up for debate or interpretation. Okay? They are to be followed. God's Word is not outdated. 
He's not a prune. He's not out of touch with society. God's word and God are truth. And we need to come into agreement with that and alignment with that. And we need to be very careful how we say that we are hearing from God. Okay? All right. Now, back to Abraham. And we'll get to Sarah in a moment. Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 to 3. I believe we read this last week. And this is when Abraham was 75 years old. This is the first time that God speaks to him, tells him that he's going to make him into a great nation. So Genesis 12, 1 says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make you make of you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you. I will curse. And in, your, and in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And so he's, um, I, I mentioned it last week. We're going to kind of work with it a little bit more this morning. God is actually prophesying to him. He's actually giving Abraham, or Abram at this point, direction for his life. Okay? So this is the voice of God speaking to him and telling him. Okay? And this is the first time that God spoke to him about a son of promise. But it gives clear direction for his life and for him and Sarah's life. Okay? However, sometimes um, when God time, God's timing is in our timing, we get a little concerned, we get a little antsy, and we try and figure out how we can help God to make it come to pass. I want to encourage you, don't try to help God. He doesn't need your help. Okay? Now, he has spoken to them, and he said, this is the way it's going to be. Between you and Sarah... There's going to be a son that comes and he's going to be a son of promise and, be, and through him, you're going to become the father of many nations. So then anything outside of that is going to be sin in their life. Okay? And of course, they did. They're human. Okay? Um, and they struggled with the timing of God. Can you say Amen. Because sometimes we think when God speaks, it's going to be right then. But maybe it's not. And uh, this is a struggle that we all have. Waiting to see what God has spoken to us, what He has promised to us, what He has spoken and promised over our lives. We struggle with having it come to pass. Immediately. We're not a microwave society. God is not a microwave God. We can't push the buttons and pop out comes His promise. All right, His promise is there, but He usually has a lot of things that He wants to work in us. And the sad thing is, is we can want what God wants for us so bad that we actually do try to help Him thinking that we're helping Him. <laughs> we're not helping Him. And if you haven't figured this out, let me tell you from experience, whenever you try to help God out, it usually turns out worse. Okay? So 
learn from others' mistakes, learn from mine if you have to, it's not worth it. Just let him have his way. All right? Let it be in his timing. So they tried to help God. He's 75. That means Sarah's 65. And God promises that there's going to be a son. And nothing is taking place. A few years have gone by. And so in their helping God, Sarah tells Abraham to sleep with Hagar, her servant, her Egyptian servant. And he did and produced a son. And it wasn't the way that God wanted to produce the promise. Okay? He, God had said that he was going to use Abraham and Sarah. It, it's not up for argument here. Okay? Fast forward to Genesis chapter 17. <clears throat> now Abraham is 99 years old. So Genesis 17, 1. <clears throat> when Abraham, or Abram, was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless, that I may make my covenant between me and you and may multiply you greatly. Then Abraham fell on his face, and God said to him, Behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. And then listen to what he does in verse 5. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham. For I have made you the father of a multitude of nations, and I will <clears throat> excuse me, make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make you into nations, and kings shall come from you. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offspring after you. And I will give to you and to your offspring after you the land of your sojournings, all the land of Canaan, for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. Isn't that awesome? <coughs> now, I want to read another portion um, of Genesis chapter 17, but we're going to skip the next few verses because he's talking about circumcision and that being a sign. So go down to verse 15 with me. And God said, Genesis 17, 15, And God said to Abraham now, so he's added the addition. <coughs> Excuse me. All right. Genesis 17, 15. And God said to Abraham, As for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. I will bless her, and moreover, I will give you a son by her. I will bless her, and she shall become nations. Kings of people shall come from her. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said to himself, Shall a child be born to a man who is a hundred years old? Shall Sarah, who is ninety years old, bear a child? And Abraham said to God, O oh, that Ishmael 
might live before you. God said, no, but Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son, and you shall call his name Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his offspring after him. So here's what I want us to see this morning. If you didn't get anything else, please get this. When God changes their name from Abram to Abraham and Sarai to Sarah, he's doing something. First of all, he's adding an A-H to it. And in the Hebrew, the sound for the Holy Spirit is a ha. So basically what he's doing is he's taking their names and he's saying, now I'm going to change your name and I'm going to add the power of the Holy Spirit to what I want to do with you in your life. So it's important that we get that one first. All right? So as he's doing that, that means for the next year that every time that they call each other and you know, or text each other or FaceTime each other, and they say, Abraham, or he calls her Sarah. He is prophesying to her. She is prophesying to him as well that your name is changed. There's going to be power that enables us to bring, a, bring about the promise that God has promised us, which is a son. Isn't that awesome? And we need to, when we have the promise of God, we need to make sure that we're not only in agreement with the Word of God, but with the Holy Spirit. And we recognize, now, if you haven't figured this out, let me help you out. Whatever God calls you to, you can't do it in the natural. It's too big for you. You don't have the wisdom, you don't have the ability, you don't have the strength. You don't have what it takes to bring it to pass. And if you're going to see it come to pass, it's only because you're recognizing the Holy Spirit in your life and you're willing to be in agreement with Him and allow Him to move you along the line of life so that you can be in that place where God can do what He wants to do through you that was impossible on your own. The second thing that we need to know is, is God is not afraid of us. He's not afraid of our mistakes. He's not afraid of our weaknesses, our failures, our sins. He's not afraid of that. But I will tell you this, that God has a tendency to outweigh us. <laughs> Can you imagine being 99 years old? Now at 75, God promises you a son at 99, he comes and he says, in a year from now, it's going to come to pass. And Abraham's no dummy. He's like, That's, I'll be 100. At 100, let me tell you, God outweighed them. God waited until there was no way possible for them to be able to fulfill the promise that God had promised them. So it wasn't going to be dependent upon them. It was going to be dependent upon the Holy Spirit. And I want you to know that that's, I believe, part of the reason that God changed their name because He wanted them to understand that there's the Holy Spirit that is going to come. 
And then when they spoke to one another, now they're proclaiming to themselves their future that God was also letting them know he was coming in power of the Holy Spirit to bring about the promise. And it didn't matter what their bodies were like because the power of the Holy Spirit was upon them. Go to Genesis chapter 18, verse 9. So it doesn't take long because he's 99. We don't know how soon in 99, but the angel of the Lord had told them that, hey, I'm going to come back in about a year and you're going to have a child. So they got to get to work on this. All right? So there's a visit that they have. Genesis 18, verse 9. and this is the angel of the Lord and some others talking with Abram first, Abraham, and then asking for Sarah. They said to him, where is Sarah, your wife? And he said, she is in the tent. The Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent door behind him, Now, Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in years. The way of of women had ceased to be with Sarah. So this is a polite way of saying they're old. They are really old. Verse 12. Now remember, Abraham laughed earlier. Verse 12. So Sarah laughed to herself saying, After I am worn out and my Lord is old, Shall I have pleasure? So not only is she recognizing her inability, but she's also recognizing her man's inability. And she's like, there ain't no way this is going to happen. But God has changed their name. And they're understanding that there's the power of the Holy Spirit working in them. Verse 13. The Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Shall I indeed bear a child now that I am old? And then listen to this in verse 14. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Isn't that awesome? And you say, oh, there's no way that God's going to do what he said he was going to do in my life. Oh, really? Is there anything too hard for the Lord? Well, I've been waiting a long time. I just don't think it's going to happen. Keep on waiting. Keep on waiting. God's not dead. You might be close to death, but he's still alive and he's still working. Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you about this time next year and Sarah shall have a son. And so I'm telling you, God waited until they couldn't produce the promise on their own and God will do the same for us as well. He will outweigh us until we cannot fulfill the promise on our own. That we, and we must do it in agreement and alignment with Him and His Word for our lives. Now, I can appreciate Abraham and Sarah's laughing because they knew that it was impossible for them in the natural to conceive. I, you know, not hard to figure that out. But how many times have we said to ourselves that what God had promised just isn't going to happen and we start thinking about how we can help Him. I want to remind you, if God promised it, 
He's prophesied it to us. He can fulfill it. Okay? But I want to encourage you this morning. Because the truth is, you may not see it come to pass in your lifetime. Hebrews speaks of that, and we've read that scripture before. Not too long ago. But I just want to encourage you to stay the course anyways. Because maybe you're laying a foundation for the generations to come after you. So that God can fulfill what God had placed in our hearts to do in a greater measure through somebody else. Because there does come a point where we get to be too old. and But God is raising up younger ones and younger ones and younger ones that will have the energy to do what God wants them, what He had placed in our hearts to do. Maybe we are the ones breaking off the curse in our family tree. And maybe we are the ones, because we've heard God speak, we've heard the hope, we've felt the hope, we've felt the promise in our lives that, you know what, maybe, just maybe, God's starting a new family tree with me, and I have to plow up some groundwork. And so I just want to encourage you to keep the faith. Keep on going. I, I can tell you in this place how many new family trees have been established. And just because it's in our DNA to do something, guess what? It's also in the DNA of those who are coming behind us because our God is the same God. And so I just want to encourage you. If you don't see it, it's still okay. It's still okay. So if God has promised you something, if He said He's going to do something through you, don't give up no matter how old you are, no matter how you may have messed up. How maybe you helped God and it didn't turn out right. Maybe that happened in your life. And you don't feel qualified anymore for God to be able to do that promise. Can I tell you something? God is bigger than our mistakes. He's bigger than our failures. He's bigger than our sin. I want to close with a few scriptures, but one of the first ones is, is for those of us who have messed up. Remember in John chapter 8, they bring the adulterous woman out. And I'm not going to read the story, but I want to read to you what Jesus said to her. In John chapter 8, verse 11, he asked her where her accusers were, and there weren't any. And he said to her, neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, sin no more. And so maybe you've tried to help God. Maybe you've made a mess. Maybe you've sinned. And you've done something horrible. Okay, today's a new day. Go on. Go and sin no more. Hang on. Don't give up. Keep believing. Do the things that you know to do and get in agreement and alignment with God and His Word. Because I want you to know something. It's not dependent on our perfection. It's dependent on Him and His Word and His promises 
And I want to tell you something. God remembers what he says. He remembers. God remembers. Psalm 103 says this in verse 11. For as the... For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does the Lord remove our transgressions from us. Now, I would be happy with that alone. Okay? I would be, I could close the book on that and rejoice. The joy of my salvation would be made manifest in that. Okay? But he goes on and he says, as a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion on those who fear him. Isn't that awesome? Woo! And then he says this in verse 14, for he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. And, you know, dust isn't that appealing. Dust isn't that great. Now, for you gardeners, I'm sorry. You think dust is awesome. Dirt is wonderful. But it's really not. Got two of them sitting there and both giving me bad eyes. He remembers. that we're So he's not ashamed of us. He's not afraid of us. And he still wants to work through us. Amen. Ah. And then Psalm 105, verse 7. He is the Lord our God. Matter of fact, you can stand with me on this one. This is awesome. Psalm 105, verse 7. He is the Lord our God. His judgments are in all the earth. Verse 8 says, He remembers His covenant forever. Not just during someone else's lifetime, not just during your lifetime, but forever. Everybody say forever. So there's still hope for us. He remembers His covenant forever, the word that He commanded for a thousand generations. Can I tell you something? It didn't matter how old Abraham and Sarah got, they were going to have an Isaac. And it wasn't based on them, it was based on God. Because there's nothing too difficult for him. Verse 9. Now, wait a minute, let me read verse 8 again, because 9 and 10 and 11 are in response to verse 8. He remembers his covenant forever, the word that he commanded for a thousand generations, the covenant, verse 9, that he made with Abraham. His sworn promise to Isaac, which he confirmed to Jacob as a statute, to Israel as an everlasting covenant, saying, To you I will give the land of Canaan as your portion for an inheritance. We read that back in Genesis chapter 17 or 18, whichever one it was. We read that. Isn't that awesome? He remembers his covenant. Forever. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for this day and the love that you have for us. Thank you for being able to glean out of your word. And Father, I pray that uh, as you remember 
your covenant forever. And the things that you've commanded to a thousand generations. Father, I pray that we would live our life remembering the promises that you've made to us. The words that you've spoken over our lives. And Father, we may not see them all come to pass, but Lord, there's a new generation coming that is going to be fulfilled in. And maybe it's another generation after them before it's fulfilled. But Father, we thank you that you're able to keep your promise. Thank you for us being able to see your faithfulness through Scripture. And may that encourage us that you're going to be faithful to us. And we thank you for that in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. All right, go out there and do great things for the Lord now.